guys. Welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. I'm Jake. And, and I'm he- Joel. Hello, Joel <laughs> Fetter. It is a pleasure I thought to we have were you. doing that again. We could. We could. We could it do it good. over, but let's stick with that. Hello, Joel Fetter. Hi, Chris Clewell. Welcome, and Jake. Welcome Hi. back into the studio. We're, we're happy to have you here for our current events and news episode it's great to have you back always fun yeah you, you've been gone a while we missed we missed you uh i love your sweet texts though they're great <laughs> in this episode we're going to be talking about bmw makes a truck the corvette c8 is coming california is stupid so are car luddites and more so we've got a bunch of cool Ooh. topics for you today um so before we get into that though i want to remind everybody about our contest that we have going on absolutely so if you give us a five star review on iTunes or any of your other podcasting platforms that you listen to us, you'll automatically be entered to win a petrol box, one of our great sponsors, at the end of the month. So be sure to go over, leave a review. You have to leave a few notes as well. Don't just click that button. Yeah, you got to leave some notes or it doesn't count. I don't know and what's up with And you'll automatically Apple, be entered to win a petrol box. Also, be sure to check those guys out at petrolbox.com. Okay. In addition, though, don't forget about our Patreon, patreon.com slash overcrest. You want to support the show, support the creators that you like. If it's not us, if you don't like us enough, give your money to somebody else, but make sure that you're supporting those who are doing things that you like. That's, That's really, right. really important in, in today's online world. All right, Joel, um, I put this one at first because this is one I'm really excited about. I don't know if you're excited about this one, but the new RSR race car is here, the new 911 race car. Actually, crap, I had the C8 Corvette first. Yeah, was, anyway, I got a little confused. I'm, just I, I'm excited. I'm excited. I get the new RSR is here. What can you tell us about the new Porsche race car? It's a new Porsche race car. I, it, it looked, okay, hang on. It's a 911, right? And it's a race car. So it looks a lot like the old 911 well, race car. It is a it d- lot like the previous RSR because it's still built on the 991 chassis. Well, hang on. So it's a lot like that, but it's not like that. And the reason is because the engine is a bigger deal, right? Because right. And it's literally a bigger deal. It's actually a larger engine because the old one was a four liter flat right. six and this one's now a 4.2, which <clears throat> in Audi world is great. And um, <laughs> and, and, and so it's... Which, honestly, I thought it would account for more power. Going from a four liter to a four two, we're only getting 13 horsepower. But I mean, we're on the ragged edge here anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, it's what, did still, you ex- what did you really expect to get out of that? Like, seriously. When well, you go percentage-wise, that's significant. If I go, when I went from a 3-liter to a 3.2 in my, my 911, it was 30 horsepower. I mean, it's not the same engine, but when you think of a 0.2 displacement increase, it seems like you should get a little bit more power out what of it. What did the old one have? Uh, 502 horsepower. Now we're at 515. Okay, but, but but you're missing the point. Porsche said it has a wider power band compared to its predecessor. So it's not about how much more power it's making necessarily. Sure, sure. It's how it delivers the power. It's not how you. It's not what you have. It's how you use <laughs> yeah. it, Christopher. That's right. I- so and it's still got a six speed sequ- sequential transmission. It still does the rear wheels. Uh, but the exhaust system has been changed, uh, and, and that reduces weight. Uh, it's got a bigger rear diffuser, and the diffuser- I love that rear diffuser. I'm sorry. The, I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. I was going to talk about the rear wing. I was saying the diffuser. Yeah, that's not the real The confuser? I <laughs> like that. Diffuser. Like I tell my five-year-old, words mean things. <laughs> <laughs> and we should say, did you already say the engine is is still, of course, ahead of the rear axle? Yes, and that came in 2017. Yes. Back in the day. Back yeah. in the day of two years ago. I really like the little ducktail that they have on this. It looks like, the you know, the, remember the old Porsche GT1? Yep. It looks just like that. It's got this little curved ducktail that comes off the back. I think it looks awesome. I think the car looks really, really good. And I think people will like it when it passes them. <laughs> um, I mean, like- I mean, they've got a lot. They got a lot to live up to, though, right? Last car is a big winning car. Yeah. yeah so they've got a lot to live up to. Hold and on. and what? 
the exhaust comes out before the rear wheel. Well, there's a lot of race cars like that. Yeah, that's not that special. It's not that special. Yeah, but it's just it. The last one. Did you just that. look at the car for the first time? No, I just noticed that detail though. That's I like did... significantly different than a rear engine 911. So everyone, if you scroll back in the podcast like five seconds ago, I said that it has a new exhaust system. <laughs> right. I also read that, but I didn't realize that meant it's coming out ahead of the rear wheel. So anyway, it's rear wheel drive, six speed sequential. It's going to be really, really fast. I mean, we'll see how it goes. Porsche says it now generates even more downforce and aerodynamic efficiency and stability have been increased significantly. Which, if they think it has more power, significantly more power, then it probably has not as much aerodynamic as we think. But I, I do have to say the two things that I find the coolest out of this, and this is just because of my background. One, uh, the the talk about the inside, and they overhauled it for in terms of safety, for collision warning systems, and and ensuring that the driver is safer, which is a big deal in racing, Senna and everything like that. So safety is yep. a big deal. So they overhauled that in the name of safety, and then they also talk about how the body, which is mostly carbon fiber reinforced plastic and everything, uh, they redesigned it in a way that the panels can be swapped out for Very pit easily. maneuvers. Yeah. And that saves you time. And, and time is the key essence in racing, right? And so right. The, and they actually talk about how the front fenders now contain the headlights in one single piece. Right. Which so is, swap the whole I mean, thing you out. think that's got to be incredibly expensive, but that's incredibly cool. <laughs> I don't think incredibly expensive really matters at this point. Right. I mean, the whole thing is incredibly expensive. <laughs> well, you're right. It's I mean, cool. it's, it's all endurance. A lot of this stuff is endurance racing. Yep. Minimum, minimum four hours. You know, minimum Six, four, eight, like 12, 24. 24. Mm-hmm. So less time you spend in the pits the better. I mean, every second counts. What do you think of all the cars? It seems like a new thing, at least recently, that all these new cars are being revealed at Goodwood. Is that relatively in the last few years that's been happening? Because it seems like I'm being flooded with news like this got released at Goodwood and that got released at Goodwood. It does feel like Goodwood is becoming more and more of a news source to the point where it's borderline. It's not an auto show, but it's becoming more like an auto show for us. Like, I mean, we're covering much more. It used to be, you check out this car climbing the hill, check out this car climbing the hill. And now if you read more authority, it's this car got revealed, this car got revealed, this car got announced. And and, and it shifted what we're reporting on from there. I kind of yeah. like it. It sure beats too. the International Auto Show, seeing it sit there on a tur- on a table. It's really around. cool to see a car get revealed and then see it climb a hill. Right. Yeah. The, the only problem I have is, it'll be like, hey, check out this new, like the uh, the nine the the 930 basically with the, uh, the tag, the F1 engine in it, the 1.5 oh, liter. Yeah, sure. yeah, 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 yeah. That got re- that, that got driven there. Yep, I but, saw it. But the guy with the camera, just he does he show, shows the front of the car and it drives by, and then he doesn't turn the camera to get the exhaust noise. So it sounds really quiet, and I want to hear it more. And every single one of these camera guys at Goodwood, <laughs> kill the cameraman. Is is my point? They, wow, dramatic. They never film the car properly, so you can hear what it sounds like. Sounds like you have time. a job opening. I do. I could. Well, if you're murdering a cameraman, <laughs> he'll be in jail. <laughs> I won't be able to do it. I'm still disappointed by this exhaust placement. That's wait. So... You're disappointed? Yes, I am. Get over it. Yeah. This All right. So topic. the uh, the C8 Corvette comes out in a week. Yeah. Actually, so what is this comes out on Monday? Is it Monday? No. Is this episode Monday? This episode, this episode, comes episode out on Monday. is Monday. So yes. the car is revealed on Thursday. Okay. So That's... three days after this. Yeah. So we'll be there. So what do we know about this thing? What, a lot of things. I saw that there's some... <laughs> no, an incredibly, incredibly a lot of things. It seems like they're kind of like slowly leaking it out. Now it's out on the Nürburgring with almost no uh, camouflage. Yeah, it's the same amount of camo. People are just saying, oh, it's got less camo, but it's the same camo. It looks like an optical illusion. It's yeah. A, it's, if nobody told me what that car was, I would never guess that's a Corvette. Mm-hmm. Never. By looking at it, I would go, yeah, that's obviously a Corvette in, in camouflage. Would you? I mean... No, it looks like a McLaren. Well, the eh. re- the rear end for me gives it away. 
Uh, it does have a GM-looking Camaro. It's a, it's just a Camaro rear end. The the front for me is very Ferrari mixed with NSX with a smidge of Camaro mm-hmm. uh, or, or Corvette, and the side is very Ferrari McLaren NSX. Mm-hmm. Actually, there's a lot of NSX in this car. I remember I when I was a kid, my buddies and I would go into the kitchen and we would play this game of. Let's see. I'm going to make you a drink out of all the edible materials <laughs> that are in the kitchen. And then we'd be like, we mix it up and it would be this horrible concoction. And we go, here you go. And whoever could drink the most of whatever concoction they were made by your buddies would win. And I feel like that's what you're saying. It looks like a little bit of a Camaro, a little bit of NXX, a little Ferrari, a little this, a little that, rather than being that's a Corvette. Well, but here's the problem. To date, a Corvette's for front engine and rear wheel drive, right? Mm-hmm. That's a standard design. And then they worked off that. There's only so many ways you're going to design a mid-engine car properly that's going to be able to cool itself. Just bottom line. Right. They're going to have the same kind of shapes. You have to put the radiator somewhere. You have to put the radiators in the side. you got to have the engine in front of the rear axle, but behind the cabin. You're going to have a low-slung front cabin. I mean... Yeah, but think about how much different a, a Mustang looks than a Corvette. I mean, that has to have but a radiator think, in the front. It has no, to have, have more freedom with a front You have way more freedom chassis. with a front engine rear drive car. Way more. 100% more. I suppose, but it nope, seems... Nope, you do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I still so, think so, the front end of the car could have been... They could have They could have made it look exactly like a Corvette in the front if they wanted to. I think it's got a smidge more Corvette than you think, but I think it's got more McLaren than other people think, mm-hmm. that, okay. if that makes any sense to you. Um, so so uh, we... Um, there, we don't have leaked. We don't have leaked interior photos, uh, but there are. They are on the web. Uh, it's got an interesting starship-like looking Uh-oh. steering wheel. Like, um, like hello, Kit. Like, kind of, yeah. Okay, it's very interesting. Uh, and, and the it's got that you know, like the current car has got the the grab handle that goes between the passenger and the driver. That mm-hmm. in the new car is going to have all the buttons for the HVAC and all that. It's going to be very interesting. Like a Panamera. With all the buttons on the center console? No, it's actually on, on that grab handle. handle, like in little buttons down the side. It's very. Oh, interesting. I see that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, and 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 it's got a digital gauge cluster, of course, and a big, massive touchscreen because it's 2019, 2020. Um, can you play? Can you play games? Can you play? Tetris? <laughs> this isn't a Tesla, okay? Okay. Can you? But can you play Tetris on the touchscreen? No, this isn't Tesla. Okay. Are There's they, no far are they, either. Are they launching any of these into space? No. Do I have to wait for it to warm up before I do a burnout? Depends if it's your car. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to. Okay. So, so, so um, there's going to be a bevy of engines, right? Corvette. Uh, it's, we're expecting it to launch this coming week, by the time you hear this on Thursday, uh, with a modified version of the current LT1 6.2 naturally aspirated V8. We're expecting about 500 horsepower, and we do not expect there's going to be a six-speed manual at all, or seven-speed. We expect mm-hmm. no manual transmission. I just hold that for later. I, I can see your mouth. <laughs> We're, we have that later in the podcast. Yeah, uh, we expect a expect a dual clutch transmission. Mm-hmm. I expect I don't remember which speed off the top of my head without looking it up. It's probably a seven or eight speed. It's something like that. Uh, it's actually related, I believe, to the GT five hundred and nine eighteen in some way, as far as the transmission. Uh, related, not the same, to be clear. And uh, but we'll have more engines along the way, and we've reported on various engines. We do believe there's a twin turbo engine coming at some point. We believe that there will be actually a twin turbo. And hybrid combined setup for about a thousand horsepower at some point with a with an electric motor in the front I, axle. I've, I've lost track. What car are we talking about again? <laughs> I know. What I, I, I is this? What, what car is this again? It's the Acura NSX. Okay. <laughs> I'm, so just, I I'm do, getting confused. This doesn't sound like a nothing no. you're saying sounds like a Corvette. I do have a serious question. Yeah. So all those engines you mentioned is that still a pushrod architecture engine? The six two will be the the one this week. Okay. The other ones we believe will be a dual overhead cam. Okay, so I was going to say, if you're going to revolutionize anything 
on the old Corvette, it should have been the valve train and leave everything else alone. Oh, I love that. Modernize that. I love that. Push the best thing about those motors there, though, is you can put them in whatever you so want. So there's been an interesting right. rumor that that twin turbo engine, that it's going to have a flat plane crank. Well, if it's a la Ferrari, because it looks like a Ferrari. I was going to say, like if it's going to have, it's gonna have the sound of this car, I wish I still had the clip loaded up. It doesn't sound that great. From every clip I've heard of this it car? driving by, it sounds very that's, that's That's the 6.2 V8 in it. That's not the engine. That's none of the other engines. I know, but it doesn't sound good. The thing should it's sound amazing. Engine. It doesn't sound good. <laughs> okay, well. Maybe it's because the exhaust is so much shorter that it doesn't sound That's right. very possible. You know, it just doesn't True. have enough time to make the noise or whatever needs to resonate to happen. They weren't able to engineer the sound of the car to sound like a Corvette V8 that I'm used to. Look, I love the C7. We named the ZR1 best car to buy last year. And, and, and we were talking about today, and I think... Look, I've written a lot of articles about this, two op-eds, and, and basically what I said was... I firmly believe they didn't need a miniature Corvette. At the same right. time, I don't think that it shouldn't exist. I just think that they weren't done with the C7, that they could continue to evolve that platform. It still had rear leaf springs in it. Right. There was still more we could do. And the reality is that if they want a halo car, that's great. But we just could have named it the Zora. It didn't have to be the Corvette. Mm -hmm. Like they, they don't need to kill the front engine Corvette is what I'm getting at. And the reality is, is that um, they could have lived alongside each other, in my opinion. Right. And, and so... Why didn't they just make another? Does Chevy, Chevy, I guess, considers the Corvette to be their halo car, okay, right? Absolutely. So yep. here, here's the thing. Did When Ford came out with the Ford GT yep. as their halo car, did it ruin the Mustang? Did it ruin no. people's visual idea of a Mustang or the concept of a Mustang or well, why you would buy is, one? the problem is that this Corvette's going to start at probably 70 grand. You see what I'm saying, though? But the, must, the, the, the Ford GT is the a, you're building a thousand of them and there's like a half a million dollars. Right. So why? Did, my point is, is Ford still kept the Mustang around, and then they built a Halo car? Why didn't they keep the Corvette around and well, that, then build that was, this? That was my theory: is that this could have been a hundred and fifty thousand dollar car, and exactly. the Corvette could have been a sixty thousand dollar car, and then you had the Camaro at thirty thousand. That was my. That was what I wrote. Yes. So what? So when looking, I don't around, want for GM. Okay, so working, and <laughs> you know all the other journalists. You know other things that people have written about this. What is the the core belief of the people that support this? What are they saying? Like, yeah, this is a great move because. We had to evolve and had to go somewhere farther. Mm, that's baloney. It just you doesn't. asked what other people said. I didn't say that's what I said. How do they back that up, though? I don't understand. I don't know. We'll find out next week. <laughs> yeah, I guess we will. <laughs> see. All right. So next we have uh, BMW has revealed an X7 pickup truck. Okay. So I don't really want to talk about this, but here, I really wanted to talk about it for one reason. Because I can sum it up with this. I went on vacation last week. And I came back this week. I, 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 who are we honest? I, I watched what happened last week while I was gone on vacation, but I didn't work much. And the reality was, is I got back and I'm like, so here are all the things that that you know happened while I was out. And I tweeted all these different things: the Ford GT, it's 1.2 million dollars, and all these things that happened while I was out. And I did a whole long list of tweets, and I said, but we really could have just summed it up with one thing: BMW made an X7 pickup truck, and it's a real truck. Thanks, bye. It's that's the tweet that got retweeted, by the way. It's like <laughs> if we just wanted to sum up, I was out for a week. Here's what happened, and it just came in like BMW made a pickup truck. Do you think they would buy it if they? This is obviously this. It's was a one-off made by students in collaboration right. off a prototype X7 that was built to debut a motorcycle last week at Goodwood, and it was a car. It was a pre-pro car anyway, so it was going to be crushed. It was it wasn't a VIN car, so wow. they hacked it up. So it's a one-off, whatever. But BMW made a pickup truck. Like everything else I said doesn't matter. They made a pickup truck. So here's the thing: Do you think people would buy yes. it? Yes, Why? absolutely. Why? This is America. <laughs> First of all, this is not BMW's first pickup truck, Joel. There I know was there was an M3, M3 pickup truck. Three pickup truck. I know. 
Did I forget what the purpose for that was? It was, was. the parts runner car. That's right. It was amazing. Yeah. I don't know anything about this thing. Yeah. What? No, History I haven't episode. Yeah, E46 <laughs> M3, I believe. I actually think there's more versions. Is that like an M3 Amino? Or what would you yes! call that thing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was. It was their parts runner car for M. But anyways, yes, people would have bought this. Absolutely. In America. And it would have had a... How big was the grill on this concept? That's it's a regular... Okay, hang on. From the, from the uh, A, B, C, C, C pillar forward, it's X7. Okay. So it's massive. It's the same grill. <laughs> it's literally they, at the C pillar, they chopped off the back, took yeah. out the third row, lost 400 pounds or 700 pounds. I think it's 400 pounds. I have to look it up. Just think um, how many of those grills you could haul on the payload of that yeah. truck. At the least four. Payload's probably whatever that bike weighs. <laughs> it's yeah. probably, By the way, the, the bed is lined in teak wood. I did see that. That's yep. a little... Uh, very Link, very Lincoln Blackwood-esque. Nice. You remember the Blackwood? Oh, I do. With the Blackwood and the... Tri- oh, I, I, when I was in high school, I, I thought that was bitching. That's yeah. exactly... I was thinking of the Lincoln pickup truck when you... Lincoln... Con- yeah. uh, the, the Blackwood. Well, they also made the Mark II, which was off the F-150, and that was a piece of garbage. It was just a trim. It was just literally a grill. But the Blackwood was a navigator, and it was bitching. Yeah. So, yeah. Although they've not held up well. I've seen them. Used. Yeah, none of that stuff. They're, well, I, I honestly don't I don't think anybody would buy this. Really? No, I don't think people would. Why? Once again, you're wrong. It's, I just, why would you buy this when you could buy... There's so many things we can say. Why would you buy this? And yet they <laughs> sell well. I, let me rephrase this. Anybody that is like me would not buy this. Nobody buy, like You would buy a new car. You know what's kind of cool is I heard that Hyundai is still pursuing their truck. They're not they pursuing. Wanna, they're going to make it. I it's know, gonna be well, the, it's based off the Santa Cruz uh, concept. Yeah, they're building it. How how big is this in thing America. actually going to be? Like, what's the? Uh, it has to be in America. Think because like, of the chicken tax. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it would be have a twenty five percent tax no, if they wouldn't didn't. have their. They don't build all their cars. Honey doesn't build all their cars. Here. It's a truck but thing. It's not a truck. It's a truck thing only. If you don't anyway, they listen are build, to the history story. They are Joel. building it here, and it's going to be the size of like a think like a Santa Fe with a bed on the back. So like this, like it's, it's not going to be a full-size truck. No, but that's great. I don't want yeah. a full-size truck. It's to, it's going to be unibody. Yeah. So it'll be perfect for Jesse. When are we what are we talking here? When? I think like as soon as they can. Okay, so they're too really as soon as they can. 2 years. <laughs> 2 years. Okay, well, that's still don't a long way. Don't quote me on that. Um takes right, so, a while to build a new car. Speaking of other things that don't actually exist, tell us about this McLaren wagon thing. It exists, thing. and I want to drive it. Okay, so what is this car that you guys have, are talking about on the website? Okay, so there is a secret E34 M5 wagon with a McLaren F1 engine in it. And there's one. So, why? So I'll tell you why. <laughs> on on another... Uh, yeah, whatever. On, on, on another podcast, uh, a Top <laughs> top Gear presenter, Chris Harris, posts, uh, or hosts, uh, they had David Clark, who was at the time of the McLaren F1, the McLaren road race car director. And they got to talking about the F1 development. And he revealed that they took a prototype engine at BMW M and shoved it in a M5 E34 wagon to prototype the engine. So what do you think this conversation was like when the guy had to convince the money guy <laughs> to convince the German with the checkbook that they wanted to do this? I mean, that had to have been, yo, hey, Hans, I really need to take this engine and put it in a wagon. Yeah. What are you, is that, Why is the wagon? Well, we have to. Well, the wagon is the most it's the I got to be able to haul around wheels and tires for for the testing of the McLaren <laughs> yeah. F1. So I need a wagon. No, but they're testing but, the engine. 
Yeah, but I but it's, you're, I just need yeah. to put the wagon. <laughs> I need to put the engine in with the wagon, and then we can put a little a little extra load on there and take it to the track. And it'll be. And I, what I really want to do is a wagon is really inconspicuous, so I need to be able to put the engine in it and drive it around. And I don't want people to know what I'm doing. So I think that the wagon is probably the best way to do that. Can I have uh, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to develop this? What? <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I don't know how did this happen? How did this well, slip I, through? So I I don't know that, but here's what I do know: when when asked. What it was like, he had four words. It's an outrageous thing. <laughs> so hang on, keep in mind. So that engine had 627 horsepower mm-hmm. and 479 pound feet torque. The M5 straight six had 311, which is under half of that, <laughs> and 266, which is almost under half. So it nearly, it actually doubled the horsepower and nearly doubled the torque. Wow. It would wagon. be amazing. In 94. Here's the question. Yeah. Did they still line the engine bay with gold? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. But but so what happened? Was, so th- that was amazing, and it's the car is still. It basically sounds like it's hidden in a corner somewhere in some secret facility in Germany, with which t- is with, crushing with flat tires. Crushing. Yeah. Oh, every rubber bit's probably dried out. Yeah. Uh, but the other interesting thing that he revealed is that BMW supposedly was contracted to supply 350 engines, but McLaren wasn't making money on the cars, and they only built 106. Can you imagine? Supply doing a contract for 350 engines for those F1 engines and saying, "Listen, Hans, we uh, yeah. we made the miscalculation <laughs> and we only need 106." What? <laughs> Nine. I mean, imagine well, we've got one in this wagon. You can have that one. <laughs> imagine after all of the development costs and all that, you're like, "Well, we're gonna build a third of them." Yeah, wow. somebody was furious. So that was actually another. I thought interesting- you were gonna tell me they made all of them and put the rest in wagons. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I thought you were gonna yeah. tell me they made all of them, but 100. Like, what would it be? Two hundred and ninety-four of them, or one hundred ninety-four of them, are missing. That's what I was nope, thinking. No, they, was they got contracted to supply three hundred fifty engines, and McLaren only built one hundred six cars. That's mm. I crazy, was, right? I just, I'm thinking of this Let's car. Let's put them all in. I want to. I want to go find this car. Yeah, oh, I want to go find you this don't car. Even know how bad I want to find this car. It's. It sounds like a. It sounds like a journey. It sounds like we should go find it and write an article about it. Yeah, let's let's do it. Let's go find this car. All right. So uh, what do we got next? Um, well, let's shame a couple manufacturers now. Yeah. So a couple the manual transmission is dwindling every year. So I want to <laughs> talk a little bit about um, and the reason this I think is because of the growth of the growth of the crossover and almost every car. These days can be considered. Why are you? What are you laughing about over there? He just lost his headphones. Uh, so um, <laughs> I feel like every car is becoming is trying to be either a sports car or it's trying to be a luxury car. Like everything is sporty. Even even like a I Kia mean, has got low true. profile like, tires. This is true because like a Honda Pilot's not trying to be anything but like a family tool or like a Toyota Highlander. So I disagree with that. Well, crossover, luxury, automotion, automation, those are all the things that are ruining the the uh, the manual transmission. You don't think that's right? Crossover, luxury yeah, yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> I mean, that's uh, the beginning of a list. Yes, yeah, I think so American I, consumers. Well, yes, absolutely. I think that's probably true. I think the death of the manual is within reach. I think we're not going to see a ton of them. I think that there will be some cer- holdouts. There's certain automakers. Uh, Porsche. I think uh, the Porsche Mus- is not attainable for 99 percent of consumers. No. The Mustang. Mm-hmm. Mustang will always have a manual. Miata. Always have a manual. Yep. The FRS BR- BRZ twins, and they've well. already confirmed second gen, so at least another 10 years on that. Uh, 350Z, which, or 370, which, I mean, we're at least 10 years into that model, so that whatever. Dumb. Um, can they please Rev update blip. the, I saw that there's like another 
GTR special edition that just came out. 212 grand. It looks exactly the same as every other GTR ever. How long is this? When are they? They're going to milk this. We're a, while, we're a ways away from a new GTR. God, it's we're a ways away. It's <laughs> pathetic. Anyway, so uh, my first shame is on Ford. They only have the Mustang and the Mustang uh, and the GT350. Uh, the 19 Fiesta used to be available in a manual, but that's going away. Um, so is the Mustang the so only... So the Focus wasn't even available in a manual they, last year? Focus is dead. You can't buy a Focus anymore. Oh, duh. Well, you can buy a new one well, in a lot, but they're not building anywhere. Yeah, right? they're not building. Yeah. So is the, the Mustang going to be their only car? No, for 2020, they will continue to build the Fusion, they said. The Ford Fusion. But, but that's can't. dead next year anyway. They yeah. killed the manual and transmission of that a couple of years ago. Okay, so there's no manuals other than a Mustang for Ford. Well, because there's no other cars other so than So I don't want to say it's going to happen... But it wouldn't blow my mind if they offered a manual transmission in the new Bronco. Or the new baby Bronco. There's going to be a baby Bronco? Oh, yeah. That's What's that all about? It's going to be the Bronco 2. Don't you read Motor Authority, you clown? (laughs) If you read Motor Authority. Uh, Baby Bronco, we're side-noting here for real quick. Uh, Baby Bronco is coming before dad bronco, bronco. Uh, <laughs> and it's gonna be that's like that's not how things work <laughs> you need to explain this to <laughs> when a baby bronco comes along a daddy bronco and a, uh, so so baby bronco is actually gonna be based on focus fiesta from europe but it'll be lifted and it's gonna be off-road capable and huh. it'll, it yeah and it's basically think of it this way it's gonna be the size of an escape so it's gonna be a crossover so did you see so yes but does it so have is, a removable so roof so is a renegade and a renegade can go off road from jeep so here's the thing basically um, when you look at a diagram, right? Off-road and sporty and car and whatever, right? Yeah. The newest, like Escape at one point looked like a truck. It wasn't, but it, it looked like a truck at one point, right? Sure. And now we went, then last generation, we went more like lifted hatchback. If mm-hmm. you've seen the new Escape, the new Escape looks like a lifted car. It looks like a lifted yeah. hatchback, right? The reason they did that is because, and everyone's like, well, the RAV4 looks over here now because the RAV4, it looks like a truck. Mm-hmm. The reason they did that is like, oh, you're going to lose market share. No, you're not because over here, you've got the car, Escape, and then maybe Bronco goes to the other end of the spectrum to fight. So when else. are we getting that oh. stuff? Uh, so baby Bronco should be unveiled later this year or first quarter next year. And the other Bron- the daddy Bronco at this point now, we're naming it that, uh, will be on sale by the end of next year. And again, will either of these have the removable roof? Everything's speculative at this point, right? Uh, the baby Bronco, we don't have a lot of stuff we've dug up on it yet. The daddy Bronco, which we're going to stick with that now, yep. uh, we've got a lot of patents on it, and so we don't know what it will offer, but they definitely have been working on roofs, doors. There's no question. There, were, there were, they, When they announced that, mm-hmm. the reveal was, or announcement reveal, was a video of some vehicle, who knows what, I'm sure it was not a Bronco, <laughs> going up the Rubicon Trail. And the basic line is, we're going to kill the Wrangler. So they're like hmm. legitimately looking. They're like it's gonna have Dana forty fours. They're looking to legitimately go after the Wrangler on its turf with this full Bronco, and it's gonna be a real off road machine. Ko twos, Dana forty fours, locking diffs. That's a pretty steep trail to climb if you're yep. trying to chase after the Wrangler. <laughs> People like off road stuff. They do, and the to Wrangler take Starbucks. is massively popular. Yep. Well, it's not about going to Starbucks. It's about, it's about go- looking cool and knowing you could. You could if you, you wanted could. to. Bron- from what I've seen. Uh, I've not seen, we don't have spy shots of a Bronco with production body, but we have spy shots of a Bronco mule with a hacked together Ranger body (laughs) and and they're trying their best to hide the undercarriage with like, with stuff, but it's pretty easy to see through. And we've seen supplier stuff and stuff. It's going to have Dana. Wow. It's going to have real locking diffs. It's going to have KO2s and it's going to be short overhangs. $5,000. I don't know. But I mean, they're going after Ringer, Wrangler. So you can imagine Wrangler starts at thirty and goes okay. to sixty. So, yeah. and, but 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 we've seen the sketch and the outline. It looks like a brick. Like it looks like a Bronco. 
That's good. Yeah, that it's great. Right. No, it's great. It's gonna sell. It's gonna be. I like brick trucks. I like brick trucks. It's gonna have a ten-speed automatic. Uh, I'm not sure Can we get on a manual. I don't. Well, launch will definitely not be a manual. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wouldn't rule it out. That's why I brought it up. Like it, it's possible. If it's gonna V8. compete with the Wrangler, it's gonna need to have people who are gonna want a Wrangler manual. take rate on manual isn't how you think. I don't think. Yeah, but it's one of those things that has to be there for credibility. <laughs> it's gotta. It's gotta be something that's on the resume, even though it's. You know, it just adds credibility. Hey, we can make a manual if you're really into that kind of thing. You know if what? you're hardcore. If it looks like it looks and it goes like it goes, I'm not sure it's going to matter. Is that what you have on your Tinder profile? Don't <laughs> <laughs> be jealous. So, Joel, I'm going to take another sidebar here. What can I currently option my Gladiator with? Can I get that with a manual trans right so now? So, Gladiator, you can get a manual trans. Okay. You can get the, the locking Danas. Okay. You can get uh, an electronically disconnecting front sway bar, which you probably will not get on the Bronco. I'm pretty confident. Right. That's pretty um, hardcore. You can get... Uh, so, hang on. Everything I'm listing right now is Wrangler kit, just so you know. Like, this is not different. No. Um, the main difference between a Gladiator and a Wrangler, and I'm saying main here, so I don't want someone to say, oh, Joel's wrong. They have a different bushing in the front. Uh, the main difference is really B-pillar's back. Right. And really C, if you think about it. And it's the, the biggest, biggest thing is the rear suspension. And it's kind of a hybrid setup. I've talked to the guys about it. It's very interesting. The rear setup of it, and I've driven one briefly, but I'm getting one for a longer test back in September. Um, Can you let me know when you get one of those? I could try, but I, we'll talk about it later. Let's go, um, on, let's go on an adventure. I am. <laughs> Can we talk about it later? Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. So, so, so. Uh, but the rear, oh, okay. Later. Story idea. Story idea. Cool story. Uh, the rear the rear suspension is a hybrid setup of from the Ram fifteen hundred. It's That's got rear right. coil springs. It's got rear contra- uh, trailing arms, and then it's got other bits from the Wrangler. So it's just a hybrid mashup, and it's a longer wheelbase. So right. it's more comfortable. It drives nicer, and it's it's a nicer place to be in. It's still if you if you don't like driving a Wrangler, you won't drive driving a Gladiator. They're pretty harsh. I mean, so here's the thing. I've been talking to a lot of people about it. I actually scheduled a Overland. So it's a loaded non-Rubicon. It doesn't have the, uh, the KO2s and all that because not going off-road is reality. The Rubicon is harsher, slower, sloppier, rollier. It's not as nice to drive. And frankly, it looks cool. But if you're not going off-road, it's kind of not the one to buy. Yeah, yeah but the, your street cred is what's really important. I got to tell you something. If you swapped KO2s on an Overland Gladiator, I bet you everyone at Starbucks would be just as impressed. That's, yep. probably, that's probably true. <laughs> uh, so we've wasted all of our time to talk about this topic, so we're just going to skip over to the next one, which is that the reign of the Volkswagen Beetle is finally over. Yep. For now. <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> for now? You think they'll bring it back on their ID chassis, don't I'm you? I'm not convinced they won't make an electric version at some point. I'm, ta- yep. I'm talking about the, the air-cooled. Oh, 911 well, that's been made uh, since... The air-cooled 911? That's what you said. Yeah, the you did say beetle. that. No, I'm going to I'm gonna have to edit that out. Nope, not allowed. <laughs> the air-cooled beetle. The air-cooled beetle is halting production of the last version Hang of on. its beetle model. All beetles are halting production. The, you, the, the, yes. one, the, the, the new actually, one is also the, being all, The new one is the one we wrote about, and that one ended production as well today, or this week. Well, this is this is it. Beetle. Beetle's so dead. They keep bringing the beetle back, and then it dies a, a terrible death over and over again. But the air cooled one is is also they're not going to be making. It's any, all dead. It's all, all beetles. Dead. It's squashed. This that is was actually, my original headline. I don't know if that went live on our site, but this the is headline, <laughs> the headline was the beetle's been squashed. In my opinion, now I got to look. 
good. I'm so tired of the the rise and fall. I'm tired of hearing about it. I'm tired of the new Beetle coming around and being this thing that everybody buys for like five seconds. And they, they look dated immediately. Every single one of them is immediately dated. Here's the thing. The current Beetle, which I think came out in like 2013 or something like that, mm-hmm. um, it's not, first off, it's got the lower roof and the flat roof and all that. It's not as bad looking, but more importantly, it's not bad to drive. It's kind of like driving a hybrid of a GTI and a GLI. And the reason is because it's all based on the same chassis now. Sure. And it's got that two liter turbo you could get out of the GTI GLI. It's not a bad car if you can get past the fact it's got a Beetle name and it's got a Or if you want to drive it for more than 100,000 miles without it breaking. Well, that's not just the Beetle. <laughs> um, so next we have, uh, I don't know if this, you might like this article hey we did run the headline the bug's been squashed <laughs> yes. so, so scuderia cameron glickenhaus is furious yes. and thinks the day tomaso p72 is a ripoff so first i want to talk about the day tomaso <laughs> p72 a little bit which was unveiled last week while on you, vacation while you were on vacation yes. but i saw it it is i think it's a really really good looking car me too um, it's red and instead of having everything be carbon fiber they did copper mm-hmm. and i think it's Really, really good looking. Um, it's based off the Shelby design Dave Tommaso P70. Um, it's $800,000. And uh, the interior, did you, did you see the interior yet, Jake? I have not. The interior is intricate. It's really, 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 um, it depends on your taste. I'm trying to I'm trying to put myself in the taste of someone that would buy something like this. The interior is really, really nice. Um, it's built on the Apollo IE, which is some. Wait, wait, wait. You're trying to put yourself in the shoes of someone who would buy this? I am. So you want to be rich? You have to be well. This no, is a, you got to be rich. You do have to be. You have <laughs> come to come on. Ter- man. In terms of hypercars and supercars, this is the 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 car that the chassis is the car is the chassis that the car is built on costs three million dollars. So you have to be rich. This car is only eight hundred thousand dollars. Oh, oh, oh! So poor what person rich. It's a bargain. It's an absolute bargain. It's got a V twelve. Hang on. Is, I'd like, like to note that someone asked me how I could call a Cadillac this ninety thousand dollars of value. You just tried to tell me that an eight hundred thousand dollars <laughs> supercar is a value. I didn't say it was a bargain. I said you it's said it's a bargain. Actually. I said it, you can get the same chassis as a car that costs two million dollars more. I don't like the interior. It still costs eight hundred grand. It is very, very, very expensive. But this is these cars aren't for any of us, anyways. So, anyways, we're all poor people. Um, Glickenhaus tweeted. Now, and Facebook posted. And I didn't see the Facebook post. I'm friends with all of them. Okay, so they're not happy. They Glickenhaus designed the P3, P4, and the P4, uh, P45. He says they put tracing paper over our P3, (sighs) P4, pasted on much of our P4, pasted on much of our P4, five, stole an interior from Horatio, pumped it up like a Vargas girl, and turned it into anime. I see coons, not Carvaggio. And I mean that's damning. I mean that's it. Basically yeah. says you ripped us off. You basically copied and our design in its entirety. So I wanted. So Horatio, when he says that, he's referring to Horatio Pagani. So he's referring to the interior. Um, when he says, "I don't want there is are, a Pagani in there." There mm-hmm. is. But there, there is. 100%. There is. But it's nobody. Look, is, a lot of these cars really are derived. Tri- but a lot of these cars are derivative of themselves. Look at the pilot. Look at the at. Look at, like all these cars. New cars are getting derivative. The interior does reek a bit of Pagani. Yes, mm-hmm. um, but only because no one else, no one else has really touched Pagani's like futuristic steampunk, super crazy over the top interior. Nobody else has tried to do it. So just because someone else is trying to do it doesn't mean they ripped off Pagani. I feel like you're defending a little yes. bit. I like the car. 
Um, and I don't agree. I think it's with, gorgeous. And I don't agree with Glickenhaus to begin with. I don't think it is a copy. You but, don't? No, I will get. I'll get there, and I, I will explain why. Um, so Vargas girls are naked pinup girl drawings, and Caravaggio is an Italian artist who's been dead since 1610. And I don't know who Coons is, other than I looked it up. It's uh, the BMW art car was drawn by Coons, so I'm not really Here, sure. Here's what my that's quick all hot about. take on it because I was on vacation. I don't have much more than this to t- say, really. Um, when I first saw it. My first thought was, wow, there's a lot of P4. I didn't, I, I said P4, five. And uh, I said on the outside and I said on the inside, there's a lot of Pagani. I didn't feel personally like it was a rip. I felt there was a lot of inspiration and I felt like it was very pretty. That's about where Here's it ended Here's the thing though. Lots of things look like, if you're looking to what it was inspired right. by, it. All of the cars back then look like this. The Lola T70, which was one of my favorite cars in the area. Right, the that's Porsche why I 908, said. The GT40. All of these cars all look the same. So saying that, oh, well, they copied our design. Well, you could say that. Could, any of these old designers could say it. You know, uh, it, it doesn't make any sense. It's why, why post that? Why say that? It just makes you look petty. I think it looks very similar. It also looks very similar to a lot of other things, though, too. Mm. And they post a modern design. I've met Jim Glickenhaus two times, and I've met Jesse, his son, and I've now talked to Jesse on the phone two times. Petty's never a word I would have used to describe them. So why do you think that they came I think they're very protective of the hard work they're doing. So they're really trying to build something that's more than just one car. They're looking, I mean, they bought a facility, they're building, they're legitimately building cars. They are becoming a boutique automaker. If you look and at the they P70, are being though, very defensive. It looks just like, I mean, it looks like the evolution. If you read the, so the day Tomaso response says, we would normally would not comment on such a matter, but we feel it is important to again clearly state that our inspiration for the P72 was the day Tomaso sport prototypes of the 60s. These included the Sport 1000, 2000, 5000, and the P70. Attached to this note, I provided a design sketch, which you can click on, mm-hmm. and you can see um, the Glickenhouses are certainly entitled to their opinion, and we truly wish them nothing but great success for the future. And you can see the evolution of did the that. design. And it's not fair to say it was copied. Yes, there are a lot of design elements there, but if that you're going to say, yes, it kind of looks like a Lancia Stratos in the rear then. I mean, there's so many, there's only so many ways to design a car that harkens back to Italian cars of the 60s. They all look like I said, I think that it looks fantastic. I can see why Glickenhaus would say that. I also can see what they are saying from the Tommaso about how it they they designed it inspired by those cars. I look, just, we're I getting like- to the point where a lot of these cars look the same. <laughs> For sure, all these new hypercars do look a little bit, unless and the ones that don't look the same look terrible. Guess what? The Jesco, there's some Jesco in that P45 and this did Tommaso. Sure, I mean it's all harkens back. I mean it's it's it's. A there's design. only so many times ways you can make a mid-engine supercar, guys. <laughs> all right, there's a little NSX if you look quit if you squint a little, just a little, True. just a little. So we've I'm kidding just, on that. Uh, Jalopnik discovered or uh, a, a conversation that was going on on grassroots motorsports um, that it's illegal to work on your car in California. So this is the part of the show where we talk once again that living in California with a car sucks. Um, So this is about laws in Sacramento County stating, Sacramento County stating essentially that almost any auto repair you do on your property is illegal. The code states that conducting, quote, minor vehicle repair or, quote, minor, minor automotive repair is legal at a residence and defines minor automotive repair as brake parts replacement, minor tune ups, change of oil and filter, 
repair of flat tires. I don't, I don't, are you repairing flat tires in your garage? Does that mean changing your wheel? I don't really understand what that means. Um, lubrication. So you can lubricate things on your car, whatever that means, or other similar operations and says C section 5.2.0, whatever of the zoning code. So we, we, if we open that up, it says it is unlawful for any person to engage in or permit others to engage in minor vehicle repair or maintenance in any agricultural, agricultural, residential, residential, interim estate and interim residential zones under any of the following circumstances using tools not normally found in a residence <laughs> conducted on vehicles registered to persons not currently residing on the lot or parcel conducted outside a fully enclosed garage and resulting in any vehicle being inoperable for a period in excess of 24 hours. So wow. your buddy comes over there, his title on his car doesn't say it's from where you are. Yep. And if you work on the car in the driveway, that's illegal. It's illegal. You can't do it. And you can only use tools not normally found in a residence. So what does Which that mean? Defined by whom? Does that mean if you can't buy the tool at Target, you're going to jail? Probably. I don't understand. It's, so what so, is the purpose of this, first of all? Okay, so why? this? Is, so this is the, the response from, this is why this exists. The chemicals involved in a major automobile repair can pollute our neighborhoods and endanger the health and well-being of our residents. Furthermore, this kind of activity increases vehicle traffic and the visual impact can negatively impact property values. It's ugly to be working on your car. It's ugly to be working on your car. Maybe your neighbors don't appreciate it. Um, and so someone actually got a ticket from this. Uh, this Nimble Motorsports from Grassroot Motorsports Forum said, I have not been left alone. They levied a $430 fine on me yesterday. You can request a hearing to review the code enforcement decision, and that costs $700 to even complain. Wow. So California, ladies and gentlemen, shut your garage doors when you're working on your car and don't have any friends. That's... Wow. There's so many California things, man. <laughs> I just, I like, have, it's just, just, just one thing. It just makes, what do you mean? It's one thing. You can't do this. You can't have an exhaust. No, I'm saying, I'm saying it's one more thing on the pile of things is what I'm saying. I like, want to go back to the tools not normally found in residence. Does that mean you can't install a lift? No, you cannot have a lift. Garage. You can't do that. You probably can't have a press. Yep. You can't, probably can't have a grinding wheel. You can't have True. a lift in your garage? Well, not by for this, working on your car. That's maybe, what I mean. Like, maybe for storage, you could. You could. Oh, it's for storage only. Isn't that ridiculous? That's if you probably. That's if you were able by code to build a garage. That you Sorry, could put a California, lift in. I can't afford you. I, Why would you want to at this point? I you don't. Can't, you can't drive anywhere. It takes a million years to get anywhere. You can't work on your own they car. They do have some nice driving roads outside of the city. Yeah, like but those hills in Malibu with that CTSV. Or the GTR Nismo I had, or any of the cool cars I had out there. I can honestly say that driving around the mountains and everything is nice, but not at the expense of this. Well, this I don't live there. Sucks. I just visited there. Well, yeah, I left. California is a great place to visit, but it it's like, like New it's York. Like, it's great for a couple of days. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, you California guys can. I would actually like to know why they put up with it. Please tell us, like. Why? Why do well, you? Well, you can ask my sister and brother who live in Santa Monica, and they'll tell you what. I can walk to the beach in 15 minutes and 72 and sunny every day, and I'm like, great, and I would be poor. <laughs> yes. That's I was, yeah, the counter-argument would be, well, why do we choose to live here with these winters? That's uh, actually a counter-argument I hear a lot. Yeah. I, don't, I do great. And then I'm like, I'm going to the lake, see so you have fun at your beach. <laughs> I do prefer a lake over the ocean every day of the week. Anyway. Yeah, um, I can much, catch the fish and hold them in my hands. Much smaller monsters in a lake than there are in, in, in the ocean. <laughs> Is that ocean. what it comes down to? That's, that's what it comes down to. Um, so I just wanted to also 
uh, read this other article, parts of it anyway, just to show Buckle you guys up. what we're yeah <laughs> what we're up against. So it's um, us versus them, guys. This is Americans shouldn't have to drive, but the law insists on it. Written written for the Atlantic by Gregory Schill, <laughs> and I find his last name to be uh, ironic. Um, so he says. And I'm going to kind of try and tear this argument down a little bit as we go. Um, in a country where laws compel the use of cars, Americans are condemned to lose friends and relatives to traffic violence. And the first time I read this, I stopped reading right there. I'm like, traffic violence? I'm out of here. I know what this guy is all about. But I'm like, you know what? I'm like, you know what? This is The Atlantic. A lot of people are going to read this article. I want to read it and see what it's all about. Mm -hmm. He says, my childhood neighbor was a varsity student athlete the president of the junior class and the most popular girl in school. One day in 1995, a car crash took her life. She had been driving home on the freeway when, the, her, when her car went across the median and collided with one going the opposite direction, killing both drivers. A third vehicle was said to have struck her car moments before, causing her to lose control. The police put out a call for information, apparently without success. Now, what does that mean to you guys? How does that make you feel? It's a terrible accident. It's a terrible accident. That's awful. Um, so it's basically what is it's called in, in, in debate tax. It's, it's called an appeal to emotion. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when you are debating with somebody, you, you try and appeal to their emotion right. and try to, so it is well known that if you appeal to people's own personal standards, they are impossible, they are impossible to live up to. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, of course, no one wants anyone to die. So therefore cars must be evil. And this is. Um, one of the things that Saul Linsky's Rules for Radicals, which is a which is just a book on how to um, affect change, is basically what it is. It's like a, a book that was written in the 60s, um, which says, no organization, including religion, can live up to the letter of its own book. You can mm -hmm. club them to death with their book of rules and regulations. So basically, it shuts down the argument, mm -hmm. right? You're, you you feel for these people. You you think death is obviously, a, in this case, is, is terrible. Um, an appeal to emotion or argumentum ad passions, which is an argument for passion, is a logical fallacy characterized by the manipulation of the recipient's emotions in order to win an argument, especially in the absence of factual evidence. So it's basically instead of facts, they use pervasive, persuasive language in order to develop the foundation of an appeal to the emotional-based argument. So they don't, they're not going to say any facts. They're not going to say, this is why we should do this. They just say, this feels bad, so this other thing must be. So he goes on and on about this. People are sad. People died, et cetera, but it doesn't really prevent or present any facts or substance. Um, so he also says, in America, the freedom of movement comes with an asterisk. The obligation to drive. This truism has been echoed by the U.S. Supreme Court, which has pronounced car ownership a virtual necessity. The court's pronouncement is telling. Yes, in a sense, America is car dependent by choice, but it is also car dependent by law. Over the course of several generations, lawmakers rewrote the rules of American life to conform to the interests of big oil, the auto barons, and the car-loving one-percenters of the roaring 20s. They gave... Do you think that that's true? Do you think that in the entire concept was... Was uh, was for the car loving one percenters of the Roaring Twenties? No, I don't. No way. Well, original cars. This is the Industrial Revolution. Original cars were not cheap. It was no. Henry Ford. Yes. That made the car for everyone. You wanted a car as long as it's in black. I'll sell you a car for cheap. Right. But the early people that had cars before the Model T, they were not cheap. It was probably were they the, writing laws though to like no, make no, themselves no. be able to drive no, these great no, Gatsby no, vehicles? No, no, no. I'm just saying the cars were not cheap, and that inhibit inherently made well, of it course top. Nothing, nothing in new technology is cheap. Correct. Electric cars through through a Tesla is not cheap. 
right now, but it will be. Electric cars hey, will be. Hey, this will be a $35,000. Never mind. Okay. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, she's, this person says they gave legal force to a mindset. Let's call it automobile supremacy that kills 40,000 Americans a year and seriously injures 4 million more. Include all those harmed by emissions and climate change and the damage is even greater. As a teenager growing up in the shadow of Detroit, I had no reason to feel this was unjust, much less encouraged by law. So I'm thinking back, and she's basically saying... He, Gregory. I'm sorry, this... Well, yeah, he, Gregory Schill, as his, Mr. Schill, we'll call him Mr. Schill. He says, um, in my opinion, how many people were raised out of poverty by the commerce generated by the freedom to travel and all the interstates and the right. roads and the ability to uh, the, the traversal of goods and services. And I'm wondering if the author would prefer that we all just stagnate in our micro economies of our own little cities, let alone states. I'm sure they would because then everything would be local. Everything would be self-sustained farmed. It, no so pollution. Cars have enabled millions and millions and millions of people to escape the confines of their previously predetermined life that they couldn't leave because right. they had no way to leave unless you were you're going to hop on a horse and risk getting cholera, dysentery, <laughs> or decide whether to hunt and carry all it the meat. It basically gave mobility to the sense of social mobility. Right. Your life went from basically playing Oregon Trail to you could go anywhere you wanted without having to decide whether you were going to pack 50 tons of meat and leave what all about your dysentery? friends. It's dysentery, cholera, meat, all the meats I have. Where's the fun if you can't get dysentery? Your oxen died. So this guy would prefer that we were playing Oregon Trail 13 at this point. Um, <laughs> Level 13. So here comes ladies. This is, his, this is where it would really... gentlemen? You said ladies only. Ladies only what? You said here comes ladies. ladies just, just I said ladies and gentlemen. All right. I'm always giving things to the ladies. Um, let's begin <laughs> at the state and local... This guy says, let's begin at the state and local levels. A key player in the story of automobile supremacy is single-family-only zoning, a shadow of segregation regime that is now justifiably on the defensive for outlawing duplexes and apartments in huge swaths of the country. Through these and other land-use restrictions, laws that separate residential and commercial areas require needlessly large yards. Zoning rules scatter Americans across distances and highways like roads that are impractical or dangerous to traverse on foot. So basically you're saying they created the the american suburb because of the car for that's his argument that's his basically the car exists and the car <laughs> is popular because of they go hand in hand it wasn't a giant conspiracy right it wasn't a conspiracy that hey, no it wasn't and i'll go even further i think people just wanted space they wanted their nice little matching houses out in the 50s. They want suburbia really exploded it had nothing to do with and that's know, not to that's not to discount the, the redlining and what was done to some people of color, especially even here in Minneapolis. There was yes. a lot of things that went down where real estate agents weren't supposed to show houses to white people here or or there, whatever. And they did a lot of really bad stuff. But that doesn't they didn't do that so people so that the car lobby could make more money. Right. It's it's so um that's it. That's the crux of it. Um I basically wrote How dare you own land, have a single family home, and care for yourself and your family. You must in order for cars to not exist, subvert yourself to multifamily housing and apartment structures. To not do so is unfair, unjust, and causes the deaths of millions. We must retrofit society to a time where we traveled safely by foot, bicycle, horse, and buggy. Quality of life be damned, the economy be damned, and your life, how you choose to live it, be damned. So and what made me think about all of this is all the people that want to, like there's a podcast that I absolutely hate and i end up getting in arguments with them on twitter all the time uh oh called the called the war on cars 
Oh, and it's basically this New York City group based group that just all they do is post like anti car propaganda and they post these GIF images. You have of, like, too much time on your hands. <laughs> whatever. Anyway, so that's what made me think about it. Is, but th- here's my point. And the reason I wanted to share this with people is this is what people really think. When you yeah. think about a, a section of society that really thinks this way, they really think that cars are this evil rather than being, pardon the phrase, a vehicle of the economy and a vehicle to um, world economy and industrialization, they see it as like a complete and utter evil that they feel trapped by by this. And I just, there's people out there that feel this way and these people vote. And it's I just think it's important to know what the other side is doing. There's a lot of people that vote that shouldn't vote. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. In, Not a lot of topics. Initially, wow, this it's way off topic, but initially you had to own property to vote. Mm-hmm. Which is terrible, but mm-hmm. would keep some of this to a minimum. On, Chris. Honestly. Um, all right. Before <laughs> last story Rabbit of the day. Hole, we should not go down. <laughs> yeah. Let's this isn't yeah, this isn't a political podcast. And I didn't mean this to be political. I tried to stay kind of apolitical on that. I just wanted yeah, to let you were people, real neutral. <laughs> hey, I think cars are awesome. Uh, I could have gotten a lot more political on that, but cars are awful. Not to. Some cars are awful. True story. Um, <laughs> so Polaris dealers will now teach you to drive stick for free, but there's a catch, but there's a catch. Okay. You have to do it in a slingshot, <laughs> I like this. but there's a bigger catch. What's the bigger you catch? You didn't write this in Minnesota. It just varies by oh. state. In Minnesota, it's actually titled a motorcycle, which yes, means you have to have a motorcycle license to drive a slingshot. Yes. And I know this because I don't have a motorcycle license and I wanted to review a slingshot and I couldn't because of Minnesota. Okay. Yep. Can I tell even better a story? So my wife just took her motorcycle driving test last week, two weeks ago. The first person out there was on one of the uh, Can-Ams, the three-wheeled thing, taking her motorcycle test. And do you know what the motorcycle test consists of? It's all maneuverability testing and making sure you don't fall over, that you have balance. So there's no way to fail when you're on a slingshot. Or Can-Am. So all those things are motorcycles for people who hate motorcycles. I don't understand. I would love an old Morgan three-wheeler, though. Oh, yeah. yeah that's, a little, that's a little bit Alex, different. Alex is. Roy has one of those. Yeah, he did a really great. He and uh, who went with him on his road Zach trip? Zach Bowman. Zach Bowman. That is a great article. Friends of both of them, good people. They, it's, great art. Did you see the videos? I haven't seen the videos. Oh, <laughs> when he's like, I think my catheter came loose. That was a moment. <laughs> that article is really, yeah, he's really, really good. Oh, he wore a catheter in that, like wow. hardcore. Zach Bowman's like fixing the engine under like the light of a gas station in the rain. They didn't really know each other ahead of that, which is not well. I mean, anyway. not like they did after that. No, <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, they, but I mean, we we it's a small industry. We all know each other, right? I mean, right. I became friends with Alex Roy on Twitter first, and then you do Facebook, and then you meet him at the auto show. It's like, oh yeah, we're friends on Facebook. It's like, yeah, and then you're at the same event, and you change phone numbers. It's like dating. Well, that's why I asked you what your Tinder profile said a while ago. There should be automotive journalist Tinder. We could just there swipe left. Definitely it. not be that. <laughs> so should not be that. <laughs> On that note, we're gonna we're gonna get out of here. Where can people find Motor Authority, Joel? MotorAuthority.com. All right. Where can they find you on Twitter, Instagram, etc.? All those things at, at Joel Fetter. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. We'll see you next week. Take care. Oh, 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 oh,